This morning, I just want to talk about uh, something that Nicole and I have been traveling around Vineyard Australia and other parts of the body of Jesus that we've had opportunity to speak into over the last uh, sort of six months or so. There's a, just this continual recurring theme of um, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is, is moving across the church and calling people to a newfound maturity in God. And, um, and, uh, and I want to explore just a little bit of that this morning and touch on a few things about how Jesus invites us to this continual growing up in him. So as a part of that, um, we're going to just, we're going to open the scriptures. And so if you have your Bible with you or your app, your Bible app, you might just want to get it ready and, to a, and open it up to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to touch on that in a minute. Um, thanks, Bo, if you can flick to the next one. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure what your daily life is like, but this is mine in picture form. That may, that may connect with you a little. <laughs> Yours might be a lot less, um, it might be more orderly. <laughs> well, that's kind of my experience of order in the course of a day. It's just it, a lot of colour, a lot of words, a lot of how does this fit with that. And, um, and in the midst of it all, I can often find myself feeling very overwhelmed with some of the complexities and some of the bigger issues that I'm having to engage with and some of the conversations that I'm trying to have with people. Like just to give you a, a little snapshot, um, Last Monday on the public holiday, we got invited to spend some time with some people who are fairly we're, we're, we're in new new relationship with, and they live way on the western side of the city. And um, <clears throat> we've we've come to know them, and and um, they invited us to come over for some lunch on Monday. So we we took the long trek out to where they live. It's about an hour and a twenties drive to to their place, and. And before you know it, you know, we're having some really great home-cooked food that, that, the, that the, um, the fellow cooked, the bloke cooked, and it was great. It was really good, actually, great Thai food. And, um, uh, and uh, we're just enjoying each other's company, getting to know each other more. And then, um, you know, in the course of lunch, there came some really tough questions that came onto the table of their life experience and just some of their own personal journey and some of the harder stuff. And, you know, and of course, wherever Nicole and I go, people kind of know that we're in this God job type of thing. And they so, the, so they take the liberty to ask us a lot of questions. Like we were going to have food and wine and good company, but anyway, we ended up in these really big D&M conversations. And um, so, but the question that... The story was in just the difficulty of this one was um, they were talking about a friend of theirs and how a friend of theirs, um, this woman was praying for her son who was surfing and her son was taken by a shark. And so the conversation was, the framework of that conversation was, um, did God send the shark? you know, in the big sovereignty of it all? Did God will for something good out of this? And and so, you know, I was just enjoying this really beautiful Merlot and spring rolls. And right alongside Merlot and spring rolls was, did God send the shark? 
And I'm just like, I don't know if that's what your daily life is like, but mine is like that. It's like, ah, hui, shoo, boof, you know, and before you know it, we're in these incredible conversations. And, and just to give you a really short answer on that one, I said, no, God didn't send the shark. I said, God did not send the shark in his sovereignty at all. I, um, and I just gave them a bit of a framework of spiritual warfare and the kingdom of darkness and light colliding over people's lives and in circumstances and how we get to participate with the advancing work of Jesus. Uh, I don't know that they were fully satisfied with my answer, but that's okay. It was, I, I'll let them wrestle with that a bit more with, with the Holy Spirit and, and uh, we'll keep journeying with them on that one. But life and the conversations get really deep and really like intense at times and we're living in a time where um, we are encouraged to be very verbally active about declaring and saying and articulating what we think, what we believe, what we, you know, what others think and believe and, and we're encouraged to engage with that. But navigating these moments um, you know, I find myself, even in, as a father, I'm having to navigate these moments with, um, with um, my children in their areas of, of their academic development and their growth. And, like, they're asking me questions. Like, my, my 13-year-old came to me the other day and said, oh, Dad, I, I need to talk to you about um, some sort of mathematical equations. And I just said, look, I, I just need to let you know right now, I'm the English major. Your mother is the numbers. Go and see your mum. She's good with numbers. Uh, don't, I'm not that good there in that space. But it was like I'm somehow, as a, even as a father, I'm supposed to be able to engage with my children's needs in doing their maths assignments that I've got no idea about. <laughs> and, um, and, and so I find myself like, oh, God, oh, God, I'm empty. I, I, you know, what are we going to do here? Um, and if I didn't have Nick, I'd probably reach straight for Google and say, well, and, you know, try and find a way. But I, not only am I trying to deal with them with regards to their academic, you know, questions and pursuits, also their physical development and their spiritual development. And in a world that is, um, like, not really promote, well, it's promoting a lot of things, both physic- about physical life and spiritual life, but not necessarily healthy things, not necessarily of the kingdom of God. And so what, what's, what's the conversation we're bringing into that about understanding of like our sexual identity and sexual health and how, that, how that's meant to all work in a life-giving, healthy way and, and the conversations that they're having with um, their peers and, and uh, finding their way through all of that. And I'm also like, you know, as, a, as an activist of the kingdom of God, and that's what we all are, activists of the kingdom of God, we find ourselves following Jesus into workplace situations and conversations that are just multi-layered and very like, uh, you know, a quip soundbite is not going to be suffice. It actually means we have to, in the engaging process, we need to actually bring who we are, not just what we espouse, what we believe. We have to put ourselves into the context and say, well, this is how I live my life. I'm living it by this framework of understanding. And a lot of people will poo-hoo that and push against that. But I find myself following Jesus into a huge amount of situations where people and the world around me, it's all broken. And they're living with the worldview that's not working for them. And yet God's inviting me to follow a new Jesus reality into the fact that he's been resurrected and he has started and establishing 
the new creation of the kingdom of God in the earth, even as it is in the heavens. And God's saying, hey, follow me in this space and, and, and partner with me in establishing the resurrection, the new creation in God in these difficult places and spaces. And that's often where we find it most challenging and most, um, most difficult. You see, our world is increasingly complex, and in the wash-up of all of that, often the, our, our experience is one of confusion. We come away from these things going, I don't even know. I don't even know what I believe. I don't even know how this works. I don't know how this fits. We come away confused. We can often come away challenged. It was like, you know, their, their, their argument against my argument sounded a lot more intelligent than mine, and I feel a little inadequate in the light of that. Um, we can feel challenged, and we can even feel like hopelessness. Like, you know, I've given this Jesus thing a red-hot go for a number of years, and it just seems like that thing isn't changing. And hopelessness sort of comes around and wants to become the prevailing worldview. But it's in the midst of all of that that Jesus is calling his people to, to, to grow up and mature in him so that we can be his people in those moments, in those spaces, people of the kingdom, um, in the wash-up of all of that. And in the absence of good news, we are the people who do bring the good news of the kingdom being at hand. Um, can you flick forward for me? Um, these are, oh, well, here's a few complexities that I deal with every day. That is a frustrating one right there. I don't know if that's your story, but for me, that is a real issue. That I hate. I've come to hate that, and that one really stinks. But these are some of the generational complexities we live with. Thanks, Bo. Jump on to the next one. Scott McKnight says it like this in his book, Kingdom Conspiracy. He says, kingdom is people, church is people, a people under King Jesus begins to live into an alternative society that witnesses both to the world and against the world's systems. Our world is marked by isolation, fragmentation, transience, privacy, consumerism, power, complacency, alienation, suspicion, and a host of other idolatries. Notice he calls them idolatries, and that's because we give them the authority to have that influence in our life. That's what, see, things are only idols because we ascribe power to them. We ascribe worth to them. Um, so he, he calls them idolatries. He says the church, which is kingdom fellowship under King Jesus, counters each of these stories with the story of new creation that comes possible through the power of the Spirit and the life of Jesus. God, God is calling his church to grow up. We're living in a time and a space where, though it's difficult and it's complex, God's inviting us to journey with him into new places of risk, of greater faith, being formed by the power of the Spirit and, in, and the Scriptures, the Word itself. You and I are signposts to this world. You and I, we're signposts that tell the world there's another way to live. In the way that you choose to um, use your time, energy and resources, the way you engage in relationships, the way you participate in um, in 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 you know the world in which you're living 
you are a signpost that there's another way to live and that we don't need to live by the power of those idolatries that McKnight has articulated up there so brilliantly. We are actually a rebuke to the powers that fuel those as well. We live as a rebuke. You may remember late last year I was doing some teaching out of the big mission of Jesus in Ephesians 3.10 it talks about how the church is a rebuke to the powers that are at work over and in and around people's lives. We poke the enemy in the eye when we say, well, actually, you're not the Lord. Jesus is. Jesus is the Lord. And I'm showing you this by the way I choose to live my life. Open your Bible, Ephesians chapter 4. Paul's talking here to, um, to the, this fledgling community of Jesus people uh, that started with a dozen people on the side of a lake one day, side of a river one day, and, and Paul finds them and the Spirit gets poured out on them and as the Spirit's poured out on them, they, they begin to journey and, and grow and then Paul, he, um, he stays with them for a while until the whole town starts to get really cranky and stinky at Paul because Paul's saying, Actually, you know what? All these other gods and, and Nero and Caesar himself, they're not God. Uh, Jesus is. Jesus is Lord. And that gets everyone upset and stinky and particularly gets the spiritual atmosphere very stinky about, about that declaration of worldview that Jesus is Lord. And as a result of that, it ends up there's riots in the street. There's like, it's going crazy. And then the disciples say, hey, hey, Paul, it's probably a good thing, mate, if you just like get out of town pretty quick uh, right now because this, this is not going well. Well, anyway, he gets out of town, but Paul's reflecting on that in Acts 19 and 20 when he writes this letter to the Ephesians church, and he's writing it now from prison. And he writes to them, and he says um, that, that God is inviting his church to grow up in Ephesians chapter 4, and, and it's in the context of great spiritual battle and it's in the context of really complex different uh, experiences for us all. And he talks about in verses 9 right through to um, uh, 11, he's talking there about how Jesus is Lord and he's, ascend- he's descended and he's ascended and, um, and, and so he's now the Lord. And then he says, you know, God's given all of these incredible ministries to, to the life of, of churches um, that help equip and build the church. And, and, then he, and then he says, um, uh, in verse 12, these gifts of, you know, apostolic people, prophetic people, evangelistic people, um, pastoral people, teaching people. Uh, he says, verse 12 there, to prepare God's people for works of service. So we're in the service of working for the kingdom of God, first and foremostly. Um, and then he says, uh, so that the body of Christ, the church, Jesus' people, kingdom fellowship under King Jesus, would um, reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, when Paul says attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, what he's doing there is he's reaching back into the long story of God. And he's reaching back into the Old Testament when the people of God had been set free from the powers and the infrastructure of Egypt. And now they're on the road to the promised land. But on the way, they spend a season in the desert wandering. But even in the wandering, God says, look, I'm going to give you this thing called the tent of meeting. And when you put this tent up, I will come and inhabit it with my presence 
And, and he, the, the Exodus account tells us how where they set the temple up and literally the presence of God would come and fill the temple. And so it was filled with the whole, like if, let's say this shed here, this church, that this bit of building that we're meeting in, well, like just every little bit of space in this room was completely filled with the presence of God. Let's say if we had, um, you know, smoke and we filled this place with smoke, it would, the temple would fill. There would not be an ounce of space unfilled. It's a bit like taking a cup and you fill it with water till it hits the lip and then it's full. So, so what Paul's doing there, and, and when they did that, what they understood was the God above all gods, the God, the maker of heaven and earth, the God of the heavens would come and fill this little tent where they would meet. And it was this meeting place where heaven and earth would together meet and that would meet right in the middle of all of the tribes of God's people in, of Israel at the time because they would all gather around that and that would be in the centre. It was this heaven and earth meeting place. And so Paul's using this language of the fullness of Christ. He's saying, hey, church, when the church grows up, as the church grows up, it becomes this incredible meeting place where every ounce of space is where heaven and earth are meeting. And so even in the filling, when Jesus, Jesus now talks, he's the temple and now you're, you're the temple that carries the presence of the living God. So you... You, when Jesus breathes upon his disciples, you're the temple. You're the carrier of the presence of God now. You're the one that the spirit of the living God's been breathed into. So you and me, we are now these little mobile tents (laughs) going about our day, heaven and earth realities. We bring the fullness of the full measure of Jesus with us wherever we go. Now, you might not believe that, and I'll call it for what it is. That's unbelief. Or you're pretty cranky and stinky, and you're angry at God. Grab either of those, or grab your own. I don't know all of your stuff. Grab your own. But heaven and earth, you are this vessel of the living God now. You carry the presence of the living God. And with the fullness of the, the presence of God comes the fullness of his kingdom. And it's we, we step into those spaces. And Paul says here, um, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of God. Becoming mature. Can we jump into the next one? Um, thanks, Bo. Mature. Teleos. Become a full-grown... A- Fully grown adult. The, the idea is like a, like a, take a picture of a child and then you take a picture of an adult. There's this physical maturing process that takes place. Paul's using that as, a, as like a picture word that says the church is meant to... When I, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I acted like a child. But now that I'm a man, I behave like a man, I think like a man. There's this maturing process that takes place and it's it's and the further you go in the maturing journey I'm sure this this might not be 
your experience, but it's certainly mine, the further I go on into this maturing process, the more dynamic and complex it, it seems and feels. It feels like, God, I feel like I know nothing now, but when I was there, I felt like I knew it all then. But the further I go on in this growing up thing, I feel like I know less and less. But the reality is God's bringing us into greater and greater maturity. That, and one of the signs of that is trust. Trust. I don't, I don't know it all. I don't need to know it all. I, because, in fact, what Paul's saying here, if we flick to the next one, knowledge not, it's, it's not about knowing all the right answers about God. It's not about knowing all of the right, the tick sheets of the character of Jesus. Oh, yeah, I, can, I know this about him. I know that about him. I know this. It's, it's got nothing to do with Gnostic capacity. And it has everything to do with epignosis. It comes from the, the seat of emotional intelligence. It comes from here. It comes from here. So maturity looks like once upon a time, Nicole and her parents, they lived next door to where me and my family lived for a little while while they built a house. Now, I knew she was the daughter of Bev and Bill and Leanne's sister who lived next door. That her house, oh, I knew that. And I knew she drove this bomby little Corolla. It was ter- this dodgy little car. And uh, yeah, I know, that's Nicole. She drives that car. Oh, yeah, I know she wears a, uh, a red dress and a white shirt when she goes to work because um, I see her walking out on, you know, out to her car and off down to the train station. Yep, I know that about her. I know she's Leanne's sister. I know her parents, uh, Bev and Bill. Yeah, I know all that. But I, I didn't know her relationally. I had, I had no, I, no clue who she was. And it wasn't until we set out on this journey together of now 26 years of craziness of following God and, and, and working this out together, I know her now. Like, I didn't have to ask her this morning what she would like for breakfast because I know what she likes for breakfast. How do I know what she likes for Because I've been living next to her for the last 26 years and I know what flavour cup of tea she wanted this morning. And the flavour of cup of tea this morning was Melbourne breakfast. And why? Because that's – now, that hasn't always been her favourite cup of tea. But just in this last season, Melbourne breakfast seems to be the one that's really got her like, oh, yeah, I like this one. Oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know her. So I made a, pot, a little pot of Melbourne breakfast tea for her this morning. Why? Because I know her. I know that's what she likes in this season for a cup of tea. A couple of – six months back, it was green tea. But green tea's off. It's gone. It's Melbourne breakfast now. How do I know this? Because we walk together. We share life together. She tells me what she likes. She tells me what she doesn't like. She's, we share life together. That's what epignosis is. Paul says the church grows up when the church epignosis with Jesus, with Jesus, converses with Jesus, feels the compassion of Jesus, has the worldview of Jesus. What are you thinking about that question right now, Jesus, while I'm having this beautiful glass of Merlot and these great spring rolls? Did the shark take their son? What are your thoughts on this, Jesus? What are you thinking? Epignosis is knowing Jesus, not about Jesus, knowing him. 
knowing when he walks into a room, knowing when he's about to, the kingdom is, the power of the kingdom is present to heal the sick. It's knowing him. One of the things about growing up is um, when Luke and I, last year, we went to New Zealand for a conference together and we, we were walking through the streets of um, Christchurch together and we found a fantastic pizza shop, but that's not the point. The point is um, we found, we walked past a coffee shop, <laughs> coffee and pizza. Uh, we walked past this coffee shop and on the, on, out the front of the coffee shop was this little sandwich board and it said on the front of the sandwich board, it said, coffee, because adulting is hard. And that it is, the journey of growing up. It's not easy, and sometimes we just need a shot of something to help us get through. Now, I, my vice is coffee. I'm not sure what yours is. I'm not sure, but Jesus can help us all. I know that. He's come to give us freedom. You know, um, after uh, Nicole and I travelled um, a couple of years back, and the first time we took on the, when we took on this new role as national directors, and it means we travel a lot more, and it means we have to um, release to our children probably a few years than we would have liked some of the bigger responsibilities of caring for our house while we're travelling, helping us with just daily life stuff that we would normally do, but we were probably sort of saving them from before due time, but. God had other ideas, and we went away, we travelled, and we came back, and one of the things Kate said to us after we did this like three, three years ago, she came back to us and she said, you know, I'm so glad you're home, and, and she did a great job of looking after it all, but she said, you know, um, this adulting thing is really a bit full on, so I'll just give all that stuff back to you. You know, following Jesus, we find ourselves in these situations where we're being drawn into this place of adulting, that allowing Jesus to lead us into these places of growing up and and putting us in these awkward moments where we have to trust him more because in that place, in that space, we get to see him be faithful. We get to see him exercise his kingdom. We get to see him flood it with the generosity of his love and power and we get to grow up together. I've got a whole litany of places and spaces in my life, and I'm sure you do too, where God is saying, hey, come on, follow me. And often it's into a space that's like difficult. My question to you this morning is, what's your current conversation where Jesus is inviting you to a place of knowing him better? Because he'll call you from where you are to where he is every day. Because he's on, what's he on about? Bringing the kingdom of God into the earth, just like it is in heaven. Jesus is on the go. And he's in filling you with his spirit to follow with him. And he keeps leading us from where we are into where he is. We go to sleep at night thinking, oh, okay, that's where today finished. Great. And then tomorrow is the next adventure with Jesus. What's the current conversation? Is there a conversation? Or have you turned off, turned a deaf ear? Paul, in his message to the Ephesians church, is calling the church to grow, to grow up, to mature, to partner with Jesus. And we need to acknowledge where, in fact, it, this adulting thing is hard. It, it, it does mean we need to grow up. 
I'm just having a flashback. <laughs> Forgive me, Nick. Um, I'm having this flashback of when just after we got married and we're living in this little townhouse down the road here. And, um, and uh, you know, we're, we're working out how do we do this thing called like, you know, even the kitchen, the functionality of the kitchen. How do we do dishes? Whose tradition do we follow? Do we wash and wipe? Do we wash and just let it drip dry? Put it away later? Do we... Where does the... Where, do the, where does the plug get stored when, when, we're, when the plug's not being used? Is it okay to leave it in the sink or do we have to take it out of the sink and put it in a little special container that sits in the cupboard where no one can see it but it's still there? Well, I mean, these are... And I'm just like, this is hard. <laughs> this, this is hard, this figuring it out. How do we do this thing together? Following Jesus, like this is hard, Jesus, when you say, hey, just follow me and give me your time. Give me your, your physical energy. Give me your, oh, but I'm tired. Yeah, I know that, but you give it to me. Follow me. Follow me. I've filled you with my spirit. Lean into the new creation of my kingdoms advancing. But I'm tired. Yes, I know you're tired and I love you, but come with me. Follow me into all of these spaces. What about my money? Oh, Jesus, I don't want to give you that. <sighs> Haven't I given you enough? Well, no, yeah, I, I appreciate what you've given me, but that was yesterday. Now this is today. Come on, follow me. What's the conversation going on for you right now? This growing up thing, it's, 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 it is awkward. It is difficult. But God has actually also, if you flick back one, Bo, that about adulting, see that word in the middle there, perfected? <clears throat> we live, see, God has said, God said, hey, hey, you've, you've come into a relationship with me and my kingdom's invaded your life and you're now one of my kids. That's awesome. You couldn't be any more perfect you just couldn't. I remember holding my kids the day they were born, each of them. And I'm just going, these guys are the most perfect creation of God. They don't have to do anything. They couldn't, couldn't be more perfect. But somehow, between that day and this, there's been a whole lot of, man, I wish they would just hurry up and grow up. I wish they would... Get better at this. I wish they would be perfect. Well, they are. But the perfection is not on the basis of what they do. The, the perfection is on the basis of the fact that the Father says, through Christ, over you and over me, you guys could not be any more perfected. You've been perfected. Right there. Right there. There's nothing else you need to do or could ever do to earn my love, to earn my appreciation, to earn my affirmation. My spirit is on you. I filled you with my spirit. You kids are perfect. Couldn't be any more perfect. Haven't got to earn, haven't got to do, haven't got to impress. Whoo, thank God for that. He's so impressed with us. He is so impressed with us. He is so impressed with us. But he's called us now into the fullness of what he's declared over us. Not from a place of guilt, but from a place of affirmation. We live from the place of affirmation. Have you ever hung around someone that's like super confident? <laughs> and sometimes you feel a little inadequate in their presence? It doesn't have to be like that with the Lord. 
He is so super confident. He's taken on death and hell and he's risen, risen again and now he's ascended and he's ruling and reigning. He's the maker of all things. He holds it all together. He's super confident. And yet he's so humble and gracious and generous and kind that he draws us to himself. And out of just being with him, we get to be like him. We get to live with him and from him. It's time that we live in the greater reality of what we've been saved from and to live in what we've been saved to. I was just reading a scripture actually just before, during worship, and it's in, um, in Romans chapter 10. All right, I'm going to wrap this. Uh, and in Romans chapter 10, Paul, it just came to me during worship actually, so I'm just going to quickly go there. Uh, let me find it here. Here we go. Have a note. Have a note at this one in Romans ten verse nine, because like traditionally in the evangelical church, we all run around saying, "It's the death of Christ that saves me." Well, here Paul is going to push that a little bit further. He's going to take that that framework of thinking of what you've been saved from. I've been saved from sin, but look at what saves you. He says, the word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming. And here it is. Here it is. This is the kicker. He says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Not that Jesus, not, not confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and my sin has been forgiven. He's, he, now, I know I'm pushing the edge of the envelope here, all right, for some of us. This might be kind of stretching us a little bit. But Paul's pushing the point. He's trying to get the people of Jesus to understand what you've been saved into. You have been saved into the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have been saved from and saved into. And the confession of faith is the one that says Jesus has risen from the dead. That's what saves you. I'm pushing the edge, aren't I, Mick? What God has saved us into. It's time. Jesus needs a people who will live from what they've been saved into, the new creation work of Jesus. Um, Let's quickly finish this one off. Bo, if you could zap next one for me. And, oh, no, he's gone missing in action. He's been, I don't know where he went. (laughs) Uh, He's either in the bathroom or, or, you know, he's been, Taken. (laughs) Um, Yeah, next one and the next one. Here we go. Here's four little things. If you're like, thanks, Ash. If you're like, um, how do I go about this growing up process? Here's four little things that you can 
just give yourself to on a daily basis. The first one is keep on being equipped. Keep on giving yourself to being aligned with Jesus. Now that word equipping the saint, being equipped in Ephesians 4 there, literally means it's a medical term, like if you've broken your leg but your leg doesn't heal properly and it needs to be rebroken and corrected. That's what equipped means. So Paul wants to get a hold of every bit of thinking and worldview in us that we think we've got it right and then God gets a hold of it and says, well, almost, but... and tweaks it. <laughs> ah! You know, we've got to let go of stuff to be able to welcome, to be able to welcome what God's doing. Keep on being equipped. Keep on growing in, in that epignosis alignment with Jesus. We need people who are going to continue to call us into that, and we need to live every day in that space. Secondly, keep on receiving ministry. And, and, and I do want to push on that attitude of, to, that, that grows in us and that comes around us that says, oh, I don't, need to, I, don't need to, I don't need anyone to pray for me. I don't need to be in relationships. I, don't, I can do this on my own. That's, that's just bull. <laughs> it's just total bull. To be a follower of Jesus is to, is to come into the resurrection of the new creation that says, I, I am like, I am so amazingly precious to God and you know what? So are the people around me and he's placed me in relationship with them for my well-being and for theirs. They're a gift to me and I'm a gift to them. God's called us into this amazing opportunity of being in relationships. And those relationships are the coal front, the front line of where we can get to receive ministry. You know, I love, I, I, I get the opportunity to once a month sit with a handful of fellas and we have some pizza and we have some beer and we open the Bible together and, and we just talk a little bit about, hey, what we think that little bit of scripture means. And then it cuts into the conversation of like, well, how does that play out in our life? And we get to be honest with each other, we get to be real with each other, and then we get to just at the end of that go, oh, God, help us with this thing. Grow us up. Grow us up. Keep on receiving. Keep giving away everything that God's given you. Have you ever had a moment where he has healed you? Have you ever had a moment where the generosity of his kingdom has broken into your life with finances? Have you ever had a moment where relationships have been restored? Have you ever had a moment where you have seen both... God heal you and through you heal others? Have you ever had a moment where you've all of a sudden had this word that as you're talking with someone, you've offered it to them and it's like unlocked for them. This whole like, oh, I've never seen it like that before and it's invited them into life in God, this word of wisdom. You just thought you would just talk and chop, but it was actually the Holy Spirit using your very vocabulary and heart and posture before God to set someone else free with a word of life and encouragement. Have you ever found yourself in any of those places? Well, if you have, you have received the kingdom. You have received the spirit. Keep giving it away. Um, John Wimber once said, to say I love you and do nothing about that is an incomplete statement. To say I'll pray for you and not pray is incomplete. To say that Jesus heals and not pray for the sick is incomplete. To say that God is God and Lord of all things and not operate as though he is God and Lord is incomplete. Come on, church, you are so perfect. And God's inviting us to grow up in that perfection. And lastly, keep taking someone with you. Keep taking people with you. Wherever you're going, grab someone, take someone. Whatever it is that you're learning and growing in, bring someone with you. Take someone. This is the nature of discipleship. Just bring someone with you. 
Every time you get invited to go and pray for someone, go and visit someone, hey, would you come with me? When you get invited to go and deliver some groceries to someone, hey, would you come with me? Whenever you get the opportunity to go and visit someone in a hospital, hey, would you come with me? Whenever you get to go to someone's workplace and, and uh, just, you know, or, you know, you're on the workplace and, and, and even like, I see Robbie Dawkins do this one a lot. He'll just grab anyone, believer or unbeliever, that's nearby to help him in bringing the kingdom to people. And God uses that. He loves to fill his, those moments with his presence and his kingdom like that. Keep bringing people with you. <clears throat> I've, Wimber said this, over the course of 20 years in the ministry, this was a ways back, he said, I've become convinced that one of the most important things that any of us can do as Christians is to grow up before we grow old. God's inviting us all because, you see, (laughs) I'm going to finish here. Let's land this. I have this voice in the back of my head. It sounds a lot like my mother. (laughs) And I think I've distinguished it between my mother and the Holy Spirit. I think I've figured it out. But a lot of the time, this voice of my mother, as I was growing up, I didn't actually understand it was the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because the voice of my mother could see a future and an identity in me that was bigger and greater than I could see for myself, about myself. And the way that that voice would get articulated to me, either through frustration or just through grace, it was, grow up. Grow up. Church, grow up. Grow up. Grow up. It's time to grow up. The mission has never changed. The context has, and it's changing fast, but the mission has never changed. God loves the whole world, and he's invited us to partner with him as the people of Jesus who are growing up into the fullness of Christ, that we might partner with him as he fills everything to the full measure of the revelation of who he is, as we bring the kingdom into our little bits of the earth in which we live. Thus endeth the sermon. Oh, I heard some celebration. (laughs) Hey, let's pray. Let's pray. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're among us today. We thank you for the, just the, the freedom and the liberty and the love of Jesus that you bring to every man, woman and child here in this place. And I thank you, Lord, that you're even pouring out your spirit all over our region. The streets of Pine Rivers, Lord, you're pouring out your spirit. Even like in the book of Acts, you just poured out your spirit on all flesh, men, women, Children, different tribal groups, language groups. You just poured it out. You just poured out your spirit. You're breathing into the earth, God. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd open our eyes and our hearts today and our whole lives that we might get drawn into just the greater things of living life, of knowing Jesus. 
knowing Jesus, the Word of God, the one who took on flesh, who humbled himself and came and took on flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus, the one who, 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 who spoke the words of the kingdom of God is at hand and then demonstrated that by setting people free from demons, by healing the sick, by raising the dead, by feeding the poor. Oh, yeah, the one who, who then went to the cross and, um, and the Father was in him reconciling the world to themselves by going and taking away the sin of the world. Yeah, Jesus, oof, I love that. You just went and you just went and tackled that thing head on. So graciously, so humbly, and so trusting. And then you rose again. You, Jesus. Oh, we want to know you, Jesus, the resurrected one. The one who rose from the grave and then called Mary by name. <laughs> Call us by name, resurrected Jesus. And you, the resurrected Jesus, we want to know you. The one who comes and stands with these disciples and just breathes on them his spirit. It says, receive my spirit. The one who now is ascended and ruling and reigning in the heavens, who is the Lord of all. Come, Holy Spirit, awaken our hearts to knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus. We want to know you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. There's some folk here today... Where it's like uh, I see in a picture of a, um, it's like a, you know, like you've had a stack on a bike as a kid or something or other, and then you've come off and you've grazed your knee and there's a cut on your knee and or your elbows and or your chin, and it's been a bit bloodied and a bit sore, and you know you got some love and care and the band aid went on it or the bandage went over it and the care was given. But if you leave those band-aids on too long, the healing process then actually becomes infected. And the scars and the scabs actually begin to get infected. And they need to be actually opened up and, and uncovered so that the natural light and the, air, the fresh air can actually come and touch those wounds and he- bring them through to healing, completion. I feel like the Holy Spirit's just saying that there's just a whole bunch of band-aids that he wants to take off today. And you know them. You know the band-aids. But he just wants to come and take them off so that there can be some fresh light and fresh air on those sore points. So I feel like I want to, there's, there's an invitation here for people to risk allowing the Holy Spirit to take the Band-Aid off. 
If that's for you, would you just stand where you are this morning? You don't have to tell me or anyone near you what the, what the wound is, what the sore point is, what the difficulty is. You don't, have to, you don't have to articulate any of that to us. This is between you and the Lord. But if you're hearing the invitation of God, You're so trustworthy, Jesus. Holy Spirit, just for our family and our friends that are just standing near us right now, uh, would you just come and begin to minister your healing presence to them and and just take the edge of that Band-Aid, Lord, and just begin to peel it off. And let that sore point just receive now the healing presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. We speak to those old wounds that have just gone a little mucky for fear and anxiety and you've kind of protected them. But now as you're just trusting and opening yourself to the Lord, in the name of Jesus we speak to you and we say, receive the kingdom of God and let the healing come to you now. Let that healing come to you. Let that healing come to you. Some of you just near those that are standing up, can you just gently just put your hand on their arm or just nearby them just to say, hey, we're with you in this one. We're with you in this one. We want to see you come into all the healing that Jesus has for you. And we, we we're with you in that one. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you that we belong to a body of Jesus a people of the kingdom. We bless you. We bless you to be healed in the name of Jesus. Let that healing come.